All right. Welcome back to another episode of the USL show. Um, listen, this week we are back with another awesome interview. We've been doing these two weeks uh, lately, which has been really fun doing all these interviews because preseason is fun and, you know, we have more time to do that. Uh, we are being joined by a very special guest because apparently we are obsessed with center backs on the USL show. I've checked recently and we've only interviewed center backs um, when we've interviewed players. So I guess that's a fun wrinkle. Um, we're being inter- we are interviewing a guy who hails from the suburbs of Chicago, who has everywhere he's gone, he has been a superstar center back and scores goals for fun too. Um, I'm talking about you know superstar standout, Mr. Devin Amu Mensa. Devin, how you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate the introduction. I could use that every, everywhere I go. <laughs> doing well. I'm doing well. Devin, uh, I want to start off because we're here at the USL show. Um, we are super intense and super professional at all times. Um, and so we want to start off with a super professional question. Um, and it's from uh, some guy you may know, uh, Michael Bryant. You might have heard of him. He asked um, which duo from Detroit City would tear it up with cornhole. <laughs> What a question that is. Um, hands down, it's me and him. Me and Michael Bryant are the dynamic duo in Cornhole. We've we ran a couple couple of long streaks uh, playing around here in Detroit, so we've had a good time doing that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely us too. Um, so for for people who a may not know what Cornhole is, it's just a board with little bean bags, and you toss it into the hole. It's like a uh, the way I describe it is redneck curling, knock people's, you know, stuff out of the way, try to get in the bullseye. What, what's the secret to, to a good round of cornhole? Just consistently. We got, we got the balance, you know, we're, when one of us is going down, the other one's picking up, picking each other up. So we just got the balance. I don't know how it happens, but we go on streaks and anybody that's in our way is getting taken down. So <laughs> If anybody's up for a challenge in cornhole, let us know. So, you know, kind of moving, I guess, away from cornhole, which we may revisit. We very well might end up back there. Um, someone who was very high on you and has the stuff to back it up. Um, let's. I'm going to throw it over to John real fast. Yeah, well, I mean, as someone from the Midwest, cornhole is such a Midwestern thing. What has it been like for you to... I mean, grow up in the Midwest, play in Illinois with Michigan, stay in that area across your career. Does that add a connection to you? Does that make you feel more connected to what you're doing on the pitch? A hundred percent. I think obviously growing up in the Midwest, the Chicago area, especially soccer is, you know, played by everybody. And it's one of the biggest areas for soccer in the Midwest is players coming out of Chicago. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, being in that area is it's always competitive and being around top players const- constantly brings out the best of you growing up. And then just as I've progressed in my career, just to be able to be close to home and have family be able to come to games and, you know, have that support system around is, you know, something that I'm super thankful for because not a lot of people get to experience that, you know, so I think, yeah, having that Midwest ties is really nice, and being in Detroit is is even better. 
Yeah, that was something I was going to ask about, and I'm really glad uh, John asked. Um, something that Detroit City does really well, and I wish every club across the U.S. would do it, is really go in on the Midwest talent, go in on local talent. You know, you're one of the few guys <laughs> that aren't just from the state of Michigan, right? And you're seen as the you're one of the outsiders from like two hours away. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. You know, for guys who maybe aren't from Michigan or the Midwest in general, and you guys are all talking about life experiences that are very similar, you know, for guys who maybe aren't from around there, how do you kind of get them in? Because it's not even just a locker room atmosphere. It's a cultural atmosphere, too. Definitely. I think everybody's perception about Detroit is maybe not what it is, not what it actually is. So I think that's the first maybe hurdle and just getting guys into Detroit is that first realization that Detroit is actually a nice city. There's good things to do. There's something going on all the time. So once you kind of cross that barrier, it's, I mean, I think it's always cool for people to experience new cities. And I think, you know, having things to do in the city and having guys that are flexible and open to the idea of experiencing something new is always, you know, something good. And I think the guys that come into the team are always guys that are looking for that experience or looking for a different change of scenery. So it always helps uh, on that end as well. Yeah, and I mean, pivoting a little bit, you had some experience in Sweden. What was that like? How was the cultural change? And how did you feel like the level of play was as compared to NISA and the USL and all of that? Right. So when I was in Sweden, it wasn't, obviously wasn't like a high level, almost considered like a semi-professional level, but still the experience nonetheless kind of gave me the platform to kind of continue playing after college as I wasn't one of the you know, highly touted guys coming out of college. So the experience in itself was awesome. I mean, to be able to live in a different country for six months, you know, kind of going in there, having no idea what to expect, expecting to be speaking a different language, you know, different city, different culture, that type of thing. Going in, it was really cool. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised when I went and I didn't, I left not learning any Swedish because they, everybody spoke perfect English. (laughs) So I kind of felt like I left, you know, doing an injustice because I didn't really have to learn the language at all. But the experience was really cool. I mean, I was in the middle of nowhere, Sweden, playing soccer, yeah. doing what I do, doing what I love every day. So, again, I can't complain about that. Um, but just to be in that environment where, you know, it's the culture is so much revolved around soccer um, was a great experience for me. And being able to see that the promotion relegation type situation. The team I went to at the time was struggling and facing relegation. So to be able to experience that and be a part of something like that was really cool for me. And, you know, kind of gave me a stepping platform to continue to play in the U.S. Yeah, just to jump in real quick, I'm a bit of a food guy. Did you get into like the weirder culinary experiences of Sweden? Like I'm thinking about lutefisk, like weird fermented fish or whatever but yeah no i mean some of the guys would always talk about it, but i this thing is as far as i went was like the swedish meatballs the the base right. that type of stuff i didn't really get get all into that but yeah the, the food definitely i was surprised when I went, there's so many lakes in in sweden so a lot of people do eat fish and salted fish that type of stuff so it was weird yeah Yep. It was that was that the post game platter was just a whole bunch of things. <laughs> like, <"All> right. <laughs> Thankfully not. Thankfully not. 
So last year coming into the USL, you made the jump up to the USL with uh, Detroit City. Obviously, you weren't with Detroit City when they made the jump, but you know, you both you and the club experienced the league for the first time, and you guys took it by storm. And not only that, you were probably one of the sh- most shining stars there. If, at least for me personally, you and you and Nate were. MVPs of the league. Um, it was ridiculous for you guys to watch. Kind of joining uh, Trevor James, um, TMFJ, uh, as some people uh, call him on the social media, which is not a personality type, by the way, if people are wondering. Um, you know, what? what is it about that defense and that back line that is so dang special and how he coaches it? First thing, I appreciate the, the comment. Um, but no, Trevor just, I think – from the first couple of weeks when we all started to play with each other with me, Matt, uh, Steve, Nate, it kind of just gelled from the beginning. I mean, those guys have kind of been playing with each other for a while. And I think, you know, me coming in, not really know, knowing what to expect. Obviously I've played against them in, in Nisa and obviously we've been around each other. So we kind of knew our tendencies a little bit, but to actually hit the ground running and, and play games with each other, we kind of, it kind of just happened naturally. And I think Trevor, the way Trevor does things and the way he brings players in, you know, he's obviously looking at talent, but he, one of his best skills is bringing in guys that kind of just fit the system, you know? And I think us being a strong defensive team kind of gave us the ability to have, give the guys up top some freedom to play and um, having a keeper like Nate behind us with giving us that insurance policy just makes things a lot easier in the end. Yeah. And I feel like an important part of, Detroit's strategy in the early part of last season when you were healthy was being able to rely on you as a passer and a very technical defender at back. Mm -hmm. Was that a skill that you were focused on as you were coming up in lower levels of soccer or was that just something that came naturally? Like, did you ever have experience in the midfield or was the two-way technique something that just came naturally to you? No, I mean, you're spot on with that. I mean, I was midfielder growing up mostly. I mean, I think I didn't start playing center back until my sophomore, junior year in college. So naturally, I was more of a midfielder. And then kind of just as there was need for center backs at my school and just kind of how I saw my career progressing, I thought center back would kind of be a better fit for me. And thankfully, it all ended up working out. But yeah, I think having the ability of a midfielder growing up for a while and you know, having that passing ability, but also, you know, that grittiness to defend was was something that I always enjoyed doing. So I think the balance of those two really helped me uh, progress into the defender and uh, passer I am in the defense. I want to ask about your college experience real fast. We normally don't really dive into it, but when people kind of see, you know, oh, Lewis University, the first question for most people is, Lewis University where is that you know if especially people from like me who aren't from around the area yeah um you know what kind of drew you there and you know what was the experience playing at somewhere that may be seen as a quote-unquote lower level even though you know really some of those lower level leagues and and conferences are just as high as the D1 yeah I mean 
even if you're from the area, people don't really know what Lewis University is. So it's, it's not really. <laughs> oh, well, our, our biggest sport is probably men's volleyball. That's like the big sport of our school. So, so but yeah, that being said, though, I, mean, I think for me, it was just people get caught up in the D1 thing and everybody would love to go Division One and play at the best schools. But I mean, I'm thankful for where I ended up just because it gave me the platform to be able to play and be able to grow in ways that I probably wouldn't if I maybe sat a year or two at a division one school or, you know, had to pay for college, those type of things that, you know, or mm-hmm. you can't really account for from just when you're in college you're not really or high school, not really thinking about those things from the jump. So having the ability to go in and make an impact right away was a big factor for me. Um, and it allowed me to grow in ways that I probably, like I said, wouldn't have if I was playing a, a bigger division one school. Well, I think part of what's awesome about the USL is that you see players making the jump from those levels into the league. I'm thinking about like Morton Borschel for Las Vegas last year, who was D4 or D3 player of the year and was mm-hmm. the starter all season long. Um, but just from you obviously turned college success, NISA success into a really good uh, season in the USL and you were rewarded with a multi-year contract what has that level of certainty meant to you? How have you felt the impact of having the USL Players Association behind you in terms of dealing with those sorts of contract situations? No, I think it's it's a blessing. I mean, obviously going from the NISA where things are kind of little all over the place and then now right. in, in the USL championship situation, the transition has been great. Um, and I think being at a club like Detroit where the support is even that much better, where they're obviously going to my injury, they were supportive from the very beginning and not a lot of clubs have to be. They can kind of, hey, you know, you got hurt. We're not going to pick up your option, whatever the case may be. So to be in a situation like that, I was super thankful for. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of the guys from Detroit will say themselves like us coming from Nisa and kind of the unknown of what US championship would bring. You know, there are so many positives and kind of how the league is structured and giving us players the security of contracts and all that, which is it plays a big factor in us being able to just go out and play and not have to worry about this stuff off the field. You know, that's that's a big part of it is just being able to go out and play and relax and just worry about playing soccer, not worrying about, OK, am I going to get paid or whatever the case may be in some situations. You know, you kind of we've mentioned it already and you talked about it a little bit going from Michigan Stars to uh, Detroit City, going in as an opposing player as opposed to the home player at you know in the De- in Detroit, <laughs> what's that experience like? Because I mean, the Detroit experience is one that is becoming infamous around the United States. As an opposing player and now as a home player, is there is it a different experience? Is it more excitement? Is it less fear, or is it just? I'm excited to be in front of player or in front of fans as both an away and a home as a home uh, player. I think initially, like when you're first going there, it's like as an away fan or as a away player, it's like, okay, this is the first time we're going to get played in front of a decent crowd. Actually, you're kind of ignoring the heckling, but expecting the heckling at the same time. Um, Obviously you're called some pretty foul thing. Shout out to the Northern guard. (laughs) Um, Being on the positive end of things is, I mean, it's night and day how much better it is. I think the first, I remember the first time walking out on Keyworth and they're doing their pregame chant. It's, you know, it's a 
unbelievable experience and unbelievable feeling just to be able to go out and play in front of fans like that week in and week out. I mean, I really don't think there's many, if any, you know, game day experience mm-hmm. similar to what, what happens at Keyworth. So, you know, it's, it's an amazing experience to be a part of on, on both ends, home and away. But obviously, when they're cheering for you and not yelling things at you, it's a little bit better. <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump in real quick, John, because I have a follow-up. Yeah. You got to play your former team in the U.S. Open Cup, mm-hmm. um, which is a cool experience. Um, you were also on the positive end of sabotage of sights and smells and all that kind of stuff. Um <laughs> I mean, when I just want to know as a player, not only just a Detroit City player, but also a former Michigan Stars player. I mean, did you see the post? And then, like, was it just like, ah, oh, that's my former employer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's something I just kind of laugh about. It's, I think it's funnier now, like seeing how like some teams are still circulating that around. Like, there'll be like a random post from something that some yeah. teams have like completely whited out and you know, edit it to make it whatever they wanted to. So that's, that part is funny just to see how far that went just from a random post. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was funny to see. Yeah. And when you moved away from uh, Michigan, you really got to upgrade with Trevor James as your manager. Mm-hmm. What did he add to your game? How do you feel like he's helped to develop you as a real professional? Yeah. I think coming in, obviously I had a conversation with Trevor and, you know, he has experience at the highest level of the game. So coming in, uh, really just respected what he has to say as, you know, from on a day-to-day basis and then just how he handles the situations in the locker room. Um, I think what I enjoy about playing for Trevor so much is that he just gives us the freedom, the flexibility to kind of be ourselves. You know, a lot of times I think coaches can overanalyze and, you know, over try to overemphasize how teams want to play or players should play. And I think he really gives me the freedom to kind of bring my best attributes out. And obviously if you're doing something wrong, he'll he'll step in and say, but you know, he kind of gives us free reign to kind of play how we best see things to happen and make those adjustments on the fly. And and I think that's from a player's perspective, it's kind of what you want and the best case scenario of just being able to do what you do, you know? Mm -hmm. So we asked on uh, socials uh, for a ton of questions, and we got a bunch of them. So we're going to kind of sprinkle those along the way. Should I be but worried about these questions? Are they all are they all cornhole questions? They're not all cornhole <laughs> questions. Um, we did tell Michael he could only write in once, so that might have wanted that in a little bit. Um, um, so the first one, and it kind of talks about what someone touched on a little bit, you know, unfortunately you did go down with injury last year. Mm-hmm. Um, this one comes from just Pamela, uh, bug guy 64 on Twitter. And it says any advice for other athletes, especially young athletes recovering from injury, both mental and physical aspects that come with it. And I'm going to add in my own little wrinkle to it. Mm-hmm. What's been the hardest part for you? Has it been the physical or has it been the mental? Yeah, it's a good question. I think both play such a big part. I mean, I've gone through this injury in college before, so I think it was double-sided. Like, knowing what I had ahead mm-hmm. was difficult, but also knowing what I had ahead, like, made me have, like, a, a path of kind of what I need to do to get back healthy. So I think the physical aspect was just kind of putting your head down and doing the work. The mental aspect, obviously, was – doing the work because you know how long it takes. I mean, from, from the jump, you know, it's going to be at least seven or nine months, seven being like absolute best case scenario, but 
you're not fully back to yourself to maybe a year later down the line. So I think just the consistency of doing it, doing the work coming in. I mean, that's one thing I try to do right away is just getting right to the work. I mean, there's so much that you can do the small things that maybe you don't think will help in the end, but you know, just having a people around you that will really support you and having a stat, like from, for me, having a plan from the day after I got hurt, the day after I found uh, I tore my ACL, that was the, the biggest change of me just so I could know what I was going to be going through, uh, help my process out a lot. Can yeah, and people... just real quick, doubling up on that. Um, sorry to cut you off, Kayla. You're good. Is there a timeline of how many weeks into the year or a date when we're expecting to see you back? Right now, we're just kind of taking it week by week, day by day. I mean, there's not, obviously, I want to play the home opener, the, right. the, the season opener, but that's honestly probably not realistic. Uh -huh. So I think it's more so just seeing how I'm feeling. There's the season is what I experienced last year. The season is so long and there's going to be yeah. people coming in and out just because of injury. And that's just the nature of the game. So I think for me, just and kind of the, the staff around the same, same wavelength, wavelength with me on that is just getting back fully fit, fully ready to play. Because once I come in, I don't want to be coming in and out because something, something else is popping up and, and all that type of situation. So for me, just taking it week to week. I'm hoping like the nine month mark is around end of April, May. So around that time, hopefully I'm, you know, building into things a bit more. Um, and I've started to train a bit here and there. So really just building into it uh, up until that point. Yeah. And um, one more thing there. Sorry again, Kayla. Um, what did it feel like for, I mean, missing about half of the year, supporting the team, seeing them make the run into the playoffs? How did you feel like you maintained that leadership role, that influence in the squad? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was tough. I mean, from going to playing every game, being involved in everything, to now you're at training, kind of doing your own thing. It was, it was definitely tough at the beginning, but I think, you know, I had a conversation with the old coach of mine. He called me just to kind of check up on me when things were going on. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I could do is just be present, you know, keep, keep showing my face around. Um, and I think just being there, me showing up every day, having a positive attitude, you know, them seeing me doing my work, trying to get better, I think was, you know, the least I could do for them while they were out there playing, you know? So I think that was, obviously it was tough seeing, watching the games, but it was something that, I mean, once it happened, there was nothing else I could do about it. We're just trying to get better and get to the point where I'm at now, where I'm near the end, but still trying to get there. So, for a, a lot of people who listen to this, maybe haven't gone through the rehab process before. Um, for people who don't know, it sucks. Like it sucks and it hurts and like it everything that it, that comes with it. You're just left at the end of the day, just sore and just like I don't want to do this anymore. Just I guess the average, I guess rehab day for you, so people can kind of get an idea. What's just the average day? Uh, early on, like the first three months, I would say you're kind of just getting into like the basic functions again. So as soon as I came out of surgery, my quad muscle went from a normal muscle to like the size of my forearm. Like it, it instantly just shrinks up. So like the first couple months of just like really building up the basics, like uh, walking patterns, those type of things. Mm -hmm. And after the three month mark, it kind of progresses into a more of a functional workout. So you're kind of moving around, jogging, that type of stuff. Now it's just 
about maintaining where I'm at and building on that. So on a daily basis, what that looks like is I'm, you know, in before training, you know, doing my exercises with the trainer. Then I'll, obviously the team will go out and train. I'll do what I can with them. And then after it's just doing some extra exercises as well. And then the most important thing is just the recovery after a long day of exercises and training, just kind of to get ready for the next day because that turnaround is quick. And once you're hurt, that your body is, you know, taking a little bit longer to recover than it normally would just because you're using more muscle than you had in the past. Yeah. So, yeah, you go ahead. Oh, I was about to, I'm going to let you ask your question because I'm going to go rapid fire through a lot of these questions and we're just going to make it. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm sort of pivoting to another question that was popping up at the top of the comments. But when I've talked about Detroit this off season and I've done, about, I've done that a lot, I've been somewhat negative about just the fact that you're losing Antoine Hoppano, uh, Pajabatello, mm -hmm. Botello, a lot of players who were pretty influential last season. That said, there's been a lot of new talent injected into this team, and you've been around the mix in training. You've been there for the friendlies. Yeah. What players have really impressed you as you're heading into 2023? Uh, I think all the new. So, obviously, I mean, obviously, like Ben Morris and uh, Skidge Simonson, Adrian yeah. Billhart. There's a lot of names coming in. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a handful of guys coming in that are all. I think compared to last year, we have guys that are really looking and demanding the ball and looking to be in the ball. Guys like Richard, uh, Adrian, Skage, guys that really demand the ball at their feet. Guys that were on the team last year that people probably didn't see yeah. the most of. Uh, Yazid Matthews, Cy Goddard, like those type of guys right. that, you know, they're really demanding the ball and on the ball, they're very dynamic and crafty guys. So I think the attack will definitely, obviously, naturally it's going to look differently with losing guys like Antoine and Pato and Declan. But... Mm -hmm in that same breath, I mean, we have guys who can do different things and add different values to our attack. So I think it'll be an exciting year for, for guys to have a chance to do the same thing that Antoine and Pato did last year and kind of create a name for themselves and use a, use this platform to kind of, you know, make a name for themselves. For sure. And I mean, you had to spend a season next to Matt Lewis, Stephen Carroll, those sorts mm -hmm. of players they were elite in my estimation in terms of usl defenders what is it that makes them so special within this league i think it's the consistency and that's something that i noticed about these guys from even in playing in nisa like whenever you play detroit you know they're not going to make any mistakes and if they do you have to capitalize them but it's so rare that they i think in all of nisa maybe they gave up a handful of goals from what I can remember. And that's kind of how it carried over to the USL championship. They, they really were just consistent in what they did. They know what they're good at and they stick to it and they're just good, you know, defensively right. and defensive end, they're hard to get, get past and offensively um, they know what works for them. So yeah, it's, sure. I think it's, it's, it makes it easy playing with guys who know what they're good at and you can kind of balance that. Definitely. So we're going to jump into this rapid fire. Um, we're not going to be able to say all the names of all the Twitter handles because, you know, that's just a whole lot. Just no know way. that half of these come from Luciano. Um, so shout out to you. Um, <laughs> I love you, dude. Um, in the DMs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first, what are the challenges between playing at an amateur and professional level? Uh, amateur level, obviously it's, 
you know, some guys are there seriously, some guys aren't there seriously. It's that mix of people kind of, you know, not doing it for a full-time job. This is what we do for professional, for our jobs is how we make our living. Um, so that, that's probably the biggest difference and seeing how guys play off of that is, you know, why you guys see guys at the highest level and why guys stay at the amateur level, I would say. Um, this one comes from someone else that says, is it true that Stephen Carroll and Matt Lewis can feel if the other one is kicked, even if they're miles apart? <laughs> I would I would believe that. I don't know if it's true, but I, I would believe that. <laughs> those, those two are always together. So, yeah, I, I would I would say there might be some truth to that. <laughs> what profession did you want to work as growing up if it wasn't a footballer? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean – if I wasn't a footballer, I'd probably maybe coaching. This is something I'd probably do. Yeah. Uh, who has the best shoe game at Detroit? Uh, I mean, I'll put myself in there for sure. Yeah, other than you. Uh, <laughs> um, Maxi, Max Rodriguez got a decent shoe yeah, game. Uh, Michael Bryant, uh, Abdullai got a decent shoe game. Anybody but Reese. <laughs> <laughs> Is he just have a bad fit in general? Is he is he just showing uh, the fit, up? And... The fits are okay. I mean, he's he upgraded a little bit, and <laughs> so he's he's getting there. But yeah, the shoe game is is not the best. <laughs> if we're looking back to last year, Dunwell versus Reese, who's got the better shoe game? Dunwell for sure. Dunwell actually has a low key decent shoe game. Shout out to <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what is your favorite game day meal? So we've established it's not fish in Sweden. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> One thing that I love, uh, Tiffany, um, who works for, works for the team, she gets us acai bowls before the game, and that's the best, <laughs> the best pregame meal. But obviously, like before that, I'll have my basic breakfasts, um, yogurt, fruit, that type of stuff. Nothing crazy, but acai bowls is definitely up there. Uh, favorite artist from Detroit? Uh, Big Sean. Good choice. Good choice. Hey, wait. F- favorite artist in general? Who's your guy pregame? Pregame right now is probably Lil Baby is probably who I'm going with. Okay. Just Solid. Up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Locker room, locker room music is all over the place, though. We got we got a good mixture of uh, of taste in the locker room, so it's, it switches up all the time. Is there anybody well, you've had to yeah. cut off from the ox? Right. <laughs> No, I wouldn't go as far as cut off, but some guys are maybe just banned from, from being <laughs> Do you feel like y'all had an anthem last year? Like, what was the go-to? Uh, before the games, Michael Bryant used to play, I forget what it's called, but he used to play these, like, mixes that were All outside right. that we used to play that kind of changed up every now and then. Was there anybody in the locker room that had a taste of music that just kind of threw you off that you were not expecting at all? Ah. <laughs> uh... I can't say. I would say Yazid Matthews probably has the widest range of music selection locally. Like nobody really knows, but his like whenever you're riding with him, he has a wide selection of music. Gotcha. Um, why do you wear the thirty? It's a number I had randomly growing up, and then numbers kind of are always taken that you want. It was like thirty is kind of a number that nobody really takes, and I kind of just stuck with it. So yeah. What will be the X factor for Detroit City this upcoming year? Hmm. 
I think the veteran, I mean, I don't know if it's called the X factor, but just, I think people are questioning our ability based on people that we've signed or haven't signed. But I think mm-hmm. the veteran experience that we have, that we gained from last year is a big factor. And, you know, I think that people might be overlooking like last year we went into the season, not having many guys with USL experience. So just having that experience under our belt is, you know, a big X factor and, you know, that the confidence to go into games now with knowing what's ahead. Hey, and just real quick, I'm seeing that, especially in the Eastern conference, you're losing Atlanta, you're losing in New York. Mm -hmm. It feels like Charleston, Indy, Hartford have all taken steps up. How do you feel about the parody and the fact that this is such a competitive league, you're facing everyone in the West does it yeah. intimidate you or is it exciting as a challenge? I think it's exciting. I mean, last year, yeah. obviously, two teams, the Atlantas, the New Yorks. I mean, obviously, it's games you have to play, but it's kind of, you know, what to expect going in. I think there's a lot of wild cards this year, whereas last year, some teams that maybe were on the lower end have a chance to be on the higher end just based on guys they signed. Um, but I think that yeah. makes more makes more, more competition and it's exciting for, for all of us to, to get out and go and play the, the best guys around the league. What non-USL team would you like to play against the most at Keyworth? <laughs> I mean, it'd be tough nowadays because we're top of the table, but Arsenal for sure. Arsenal Arsenal's my team, but I mean, if we got a chance to play them, that would be absolutely amazing. You had some fire uh, youth experience, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. When I was probably 13, 14. I played for them for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Actually, CJ Brown was my, was my coach for, I think he was still oh, playing wow. at the time. When, so yeah, CJ Brown was, was my first coach at the fire. Yeah. That's awesome. It was a really cool experience. I mean, for people, whenever you're kind of in those Academy settings, I, I think some people kind of see them from afar and just kind of don't really know what it's about. Really, what are they training you there? Are they training you as a player, or are you, they really just kind of training you for a system, if that makes sense? I think back when I was playing, it was more so as a player. Like, you're, you're, it was a little more separated as it would be now. Like, now with the MLS Next and kind of that pathway that they've created with the MLS and how they do things. Um, like, for example, my brother, he plays for the Fire now at the U15 level. They've kind of created a system from the top to the bottom and how they want to develop these players from a young age, which is cool to see. Um, obviously, it's a little different from when I was growing up, um, but cool nonetheless. And I think it gives players from a young age a goal to strive for and, you know, the ability to kind of see how things are handled at the highest level from a tactical standpoint. And I have one last rapid fire because the other one we're going to, I'm going to ask you at the very end. Um I don't understand this one, so please in, enlighten me. Why do you not have a milk sponsorship yet? Why do I not have a milk sponsorship? I you got nothing. Yeah, I, I can't tell. I I'm not going to lie. I saw this on Twitter and I was hoping you would understand if we asked I, it, but it meant nothing to me. Unless yeah. it's just completely blank right now, I, I'm. it's not an inside joke, right? I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Love it. it. it it makes me feel better that I missed out on that one too. <laughs> that <laughs> um, well, why don't I have a milk? Yeah, I don't know. 
you ain't two percent you're the whole deal (laughs) any deals coming through yeah let me know did your did your elementary school also have the got milk posters everywhere yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think that was a staple in all all elementary schools was it not (laughs) no that was our thing See, it's funny because my fiance, who's the same age as me, did not see a single guy milk poster. So I didn't know if it was okay. It makes me feel a little bit better. Oh, Are man. we answered the final question, Kayla? Um, I want to get one more. Uh, in, right. in the time I asked you about um before pre-show, um, you know, we're getting done with Black History Month, right? And the the USL, you know, the Black Players Alliance, uh, yeah, Alliance uh, is just like really tight, and what they do is just incredible stuff. Um, you, there's a lot of players in the USL with you know Ghanaian heritage come straight from Ghana. I mean, Legion, the club I support, have always seemed to have three on at the club at all times. You know, kind of seeing a lot of guys not only from you know, the same kind of cultural background that, you know, your dad had um, and still has, obviously, um, but succeeding at a very high level, kind of what does that mean to you as a player and maybe to what would it have meant to you as a child? Yeah, to be able to represent my culture and obviously represent um, African-American people at the highest level is, is a blessing. And I think growing up, like I said, C.J. Brown was probably – you know, the closest person I was able to see to that. Um, just being able to be a role model for kids growing up and seeing pe- seeing a pathway in sports other than football, basketball, baseball, those type of things where there is, you know, there is, the sport is growing in the country. And I think, you know, to have kids, I think the cool thing about being in Detroit is there is a big African-American community. And to see, to have those kids see a player like me and others on the field, uh, week in, week out in front of the big crowd is something that you know, I'm really proud of to say that that I do. And I hope when they do see us in the field, you know, represent ourselves properly and they see that they, they can do something similar if, if they strive for it. You know, uh, I was this because it always comes back to food for me. Um, I talked to Benefemu years ago, um, who his dad is from Nigeria Um and he always raved about the food that his dad would make. Your dad being from Ghana, what was I mean, what was what was the spread at night? Ghanaian jollof rice is my go-to yes. food. Every time I'm home, even if like my parents will come up to a game, my grandma's whipping up some jollof rice for me to for them to bring to me. That's like the staple in my in my mind. Um, yeah, that's that's number one for me. Have you delved into like Detroit food culture at all? I know stereotypically I'm thinking about like Buddy's Pizza or whatever, but is there anything locally that stood out to you? Um, there's been a decent amount of like restaurants, like kind of foodie type restaurants that have popped up, which I'm a big fan of. So me and my fiance have been going on probably way too many dates recently, just checking out all the different food places and and doing that thing. Um, something specifically though, not really. They kind of hit everything the pizza is probably the big one though the the buddies type pizza or right. the jets which is kind of everywhere but that, those are Definitely. those are the the big ones i would say yeah. i don't want to get you ostracized from the fan group but you're from chicago <laughs> yeah <laughs> pizzas how are we how are we comparing them 
I mean, deep dish, deep dish is obviously better. It's not, it's not really too much. Right. Of a bit, but I will say, Preach. like, nobody really eats deep dish. That's not like a weekly meal. You know, people get like Chicago, like bar style, which is like a thin crust, cut in squares. Yes. Type. No, that's not. If you eat deep dish every week, I more power to you, but it's just. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you got to be running a lot to work that off. Yeah. <laughs> that's very tough. All right. So as we're wrapping up here, just one more question. We ask it on every show and to every guest. What are you watching in your free time? What is that decompressed show or movie or whatever that you put on in your chill to really decompress? Right now, I don't know if it's decompressing me, but right now I'm watching Last of Us, The Last yeah. of Us on HBO. That one's we're hearing that a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the go-to right now. Um, and then besides that, what else am I watching? I uh, went back and watched The Sopranos recently, so that's another one. Yeah. Did you play The Last of Us? Are you a big video game guy? No, I I do play video games, but that's one I haven't played. Is it similar? Would you say it's similar to? Or have you played it even? Yeah, it's there. It's pretty spot on so far. Is it? Um, right. Some of the stuff is a little bit out of order. Like the latest episode, does it happens in a DLC? Yeah. So it's right. a little out of order, but it's pretty spot on. I I highly recommend it. Oh, yeah, I'll have to check it out then because the show has been really cool and I feel like I'm on edge the whole time waiting for something something to happen. So it's been cool. Yeah, I never played the game, but I'm loving the show. Um, our last interview was with uh, Connor Smith, who's the assistant at uh, Birmingham, mm -hmm. and he would same answer as you with never played the game, but loving the show. Yeah. What's your What's your game then? Like, where are you playing then? Uh, I'll play some FIFA or Call of Duty. But yeah. honestly, right now, I'm just kind of chilling, just watching, watching random TV, watching soccer. If I'm not doing that, I'm just kind of chilling. Hey, yeah. well, you mentioned the fiancé. When's the big yeah. date? Uh, probably not till 2024. We're yeah. so it just happened last year, end of last year, like November. So mm -hmm. kind of giving ourselves some time to really consider it and think about where we're gonna do it and all that type of stuff. Both got big families, so got yeah, got to fit all that in there somehow, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, Kayla, you're in the same box, so I'm sure it's a huge amount of planning. It so I'm in the middle of planning. Mine's coming up in like a month and a half now. Mm -hmm. uh, two and a half months sorry dude you you think you have it and then it's just another list handed to you and it's just like we were done a month ago <laughs> what, is, what are some do's and don'ts what, what should i know um honestly for for me don't be afraid to be the one just to call the people mm -hmm. basically if she has a vision just be be like that's great i'll call them i'll take care of the logistics you can dream i'll put into action yeah. It's try to do that as much as possible. Um, the biggest thing to get figured out is honestly hair and makeup for her and videography and photography. Those yeah. four things, because everybody's booked up, especially since COVID is done, mm -hmm. people uh, push their wedding off. So everybody is booked for the next like year. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, figured, I figured that part of it was already kind of, those weddings already happened type of thing. But I guess, yeah, we got some good thing. We got some time. Got yeah, some time for sure. So video, photo and makeup and hair. You got to jump on that fast because right. if you don't, good luck. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
then we'll get on soon. I'll, I'll have to tell my fiance. <laughs> well, look, man, we really appreciate talking to you. Um, you know, thank you for everybody, obviously Detroit city who helped put this together. Um, this was a blast and, you know, it, uh, Everything that we've we saw from you on the pitch, we can't wait to see you back because I mean, like I said, and I said a lot, you know, you were one of the MVP finalists for me. You know, I cannot wait to see you get back on the right. pitch, being healthy, man. Yeah, like I had you all league. I, I had DMs with your uh, family at some points. <laughs> like the support system you have, the fan base in Detroit are so on board with you. So I'm really excited for the upcoming year. Me too. No, thank you guys for just having this platform for everybody to kind of use you guys as a soundboard and you know what you guys do is, is really cool for the league. You know, John, what you guys, what you do on the tactical side of yeah. things is really cool and something that obviously a lot of leagues don't have for you to do something like that just on your free will is, is really cool. And Kayler, the podcast and show is really cool. So thank you guys for doing this. Can people find you on socials anywhere? Are you, are you on there? Yeah, I'm on everything. Instagram, Twitter, uh, Kojo Amu. That's my handles yep. on, on both of them. So, yeah, check me out. Beautiful. Keep killing well, it. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back next Tuesday for our League One preview, which should be shorter than the championship one because there's less teams. Theoretically. God forbid if it goes longer. Geo <laughs> will try. Um, but thank you all so much for, for listening, so much for watching. Um, and even though he was not here, go ahead and cue Alan's voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.